0: get started this evening so for those of you who don't know me my name is Jerry Hahn and I'm with Sirius and I work with the corporate partner program primarily but you'll see me here off and on at these sessions to help introduce our speaker and we're delighted to have Eli Lilly represented uh, this afternoon I think that uh, they've been one of our partners now for a couple of years and and uh, and we're delighted to have them on board our speaker is Ryan Elkins and he's a, a, a advisor in cloud and application security architecture with Eli Lilly He's got over 10 years of security experience across lots of different industries. He holds degrees from Kent State and, uh, and from uh, Nova Southeastern University. He uh, holds a CISSP and CCSP certification. And based on the title of his talk, I think I wish I would've heard this when I was in school, the, uh, the, way, the hacks that'll help you define your college career. So with that, I'll introduce it, to, I'll turn it over to Ryan.
1: All right, thank you, Jerry. Well, I wanted to thank all of you for coming and hearing me today. I'm excited to share and when I was first asked about this presentation, I really thought well What would be the most impactful thing that I could really share that would have helped me if I was sitting in your seat? And I look back about and I've been in so I I'll actually get started a little bit talk about my career But I want to jump to the the first slide here if it's switching Let's see if we can get the technology to work there it goes when I when I think about information security and I talk to others about it, this is usually what comes into play into their mind when you think about information security. There's so many paths, there's so many roads. There's how do you get started? Where do you begin? What will help me figure out what do I want to do? I'm I'm going to college, I'm taking these courses, I enjoy this, but how does it really fit into companies, to enterprises? And so I'm hoping that I can take these roads and really straighten those for you and give you an idea and help you kind of solidify where you'd like to head. So as I go through this, don't hesitate to interrupt me ask questions I'd love I'd rather this be more interactive than me just standing up here going through PowerPoint slides so definitely interrupt raise your hand and I'll, I'll call on you. First thing is that this isn't a super technical presentation. This is the only shell you're going to see. I'm not gonna be it's not gonna be raining shells or anything all day. So if, if you're hoping for that, I hope I don't disappoint, but it's but my goal is that this will be the type of shell you see after your career where you can live on a beach, work from a beach. I mean I'm hoping that's probably a lot of our goals or something we're working toward. That's what my that's what mine is. So I, I went back, and I've over the past month, I wake, if I wake up, I have kids. If I'm up at 3 a.m. or 1 a.m., I'm thinking, and I keep coming up with things of what would have helped me to know, and I've really broken down kind of a month of just thinking of what have I learned from mentors, what have I brought from other people, and I've broken into 10 different principles that I, that I try to apply day-to-day to improve myself, to improve my career, and to get myself to where I want to be, both from a personal perspective and then from a professional standpoint and then at the end of this I want to talk a little bit about how I see the transformation of your your corporate security teams what the real needs are today and as you're going applying for jobs looking for jobs or maybe you already have a job you're looking for other opportunity additional opportunities kind of where I see that you could focus and kind of um, looking for those for those areas this is, a Jerry already gave a, an introduction of where, what I've done, but so over the past 12 years, I've been in um, IT, or 10 years directly in security programs. So across the last 12 years, I've had eight different roles. I've lived in three states and worked across three industries. What does that mean? It means that there's opportunity. If you, uh, if you take a job right out of college, or as soon as you graduate, you're not stuck in it. There's opportunity, but it's up to yourself to really find did this just, out- no, it looks good. To find where you want to go, where you want to head. And that's, it's important. And it's also important that there's so many different areas within information security that you should be able to land in something that you love both while you're at work, but also as a hobby, as a, as a lot of that. I've always enjoyed programming. I like puzzles, I like breaking into things. That's kind of, on my spare time, I'm still learning, reading the news, what's going on, and doing that. So trying to pull what you enjoy in your spare time into your career just makes everything so much better. The other part is that I did start off as an intern. So as I went, I graduated with a computer science degree. And straight out of college, I joined as a systems administrator managing servers. And I always wanted to be in security. So how did I make that transition into security? Well, what I did was I knew where I wanted to be. I knew what I had to do. How do I do that? Well. I took two actions really. I went and I started on a master's program while doing that. But I think the most impactful thing that got me into security was I took. Serv- I was managing servers, so what do I do? Every week, I have the security team coming to me saying, "Ryan, we have." 2,000 vulnerabilities we need to fix on our servers. And I have all these other responsibilities, but what I did was I started learning, taking those vulnerability reports and understanding, well, what does this really mean? I know I can run updates and fix these, but what does it really mean to see a cross-site scripting error or SQL injection or a buffer overflow? And starting to understand that. And then at the same time, I was actually doing what the security team was asking. So as the trends get better, I I start to become that point of contact from the security team. And eventually, a position opened up in application security. I joined. And that's kind of where my entire career started off from there. So that's, that's how I got in. But it's just taking what you're doing today, finding a way to make it happen so that you can move on in the future to what you want to be. There's also, there's so many areas of security and I think that's why if you read in the news, they always talk about there's so much demand for security, there's not enough supply. Why is that? Well, if you take a look at this first column here, there are, I really took the CISSP domains, which is what you'll see in there, but I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about Lily's security program as well. So if you take your typical enterprise security program, you're going to have threat and vulnerability management, you're going to have security operations, you're going to have monitoring, logging, forensics, you're going to have risk management, big data, metrics, you're going to have budget needs. A lot of programs are going to have multi-million dollar budgets that you need. You need good um, people that can forecast, can help um, with the spend and actually bring money to the program so you can deliver on that. You have access management and i will i will point out three people of the that we have three experts in the back also from eli lilly that you can speak to after class we have rob in the corner he's one of the sharpest identity and access management architects i've that you'll get to know he's um i've learned so much more about J- jots and java web tokens and you you name it in the past year working with him and then we have dan in the front or in the middle he's our endpoint security guy um, he's definitely one of the best endpoint guys i've ever worked with and then we have Rodney there, and he's he manages all of the budgetary, a lot of the, um, just keeps the program operating, and he's, um, so from the financial side, he's just an expert and really drives that, so absolutely talk to these guys afterwards as well. The other point of where there's so much demand is that we have a security program, but there's security needed in every single area of the business. There's teams within legal privacy that have new issues of GDPR and compliance or regulatory and FDA. Well, they're not all security experts there. So now they have to either pull from the security team or they may even have positions directly in there to do. I think it's been fun. One of the jobs that I've had the opportunity to do was work with some of our legal team and within the insurance industry, There's a lot of um, lobbying trying to do and writing regulations and legislatures, so we have the opportunity to influence it. So I would always get a lot of those cybersecurity questions on, well, can we actually comply if this goes through? What's the impact? What does this really mean? And actually seeing some of these modifications, these recommendations get to legislature, get passed and potentially into laws in the future, that's another way that you can have impact. So if you have the um, political science background, if you're interested in that, that's an area that you can jump into security and be a front-runner in a lot of areas that you can see, and I can keep continue to go on and on around audit and compliance. There's so much around risk management, quantifying risk to the business, seeing that, and then you have um, every business unit and information technology, everything you do today, the, really that foundational plane is security. You can't do a lot without pulling in security, asking those questions. And then the even more exciting part is that our security program, what we decide, the risk that we take on, the risk that we remediate, that has tremendous influence into the board of directors of companies now, the executive leadership. They have an interest now where previously you would never hear about security in the boardroom. That's front and center pretty much on a regular basis where one of the first questions is, well, how are we doing? How's our posture? How are we improving? And they want to know what do we need to be successful? And if we can be within whatever role we're in, whether we're in the security department, whether we're in the business area, we can funnel that out up. And there's just so much opportunity there that no matter what your interest is, that you can really find a spot. So, so I think that's a lot of why there's so much demand out there is because it's not the typical just, I'm going to hack in, I'm going to do the ethical hacking, I'm going to do this work. But it's, there's just so many areas of the business that have that need and have that expertise drive. So don't think that you have to be directly in information security to have an impact. And that leads into everyone has a role in security and i know i've already hit on a lot of these is um i hope that some of these may resonate and um, make sense to what your interests are i know i have some of those that are there i love puzzles and that's a big reason of why i'm in security it's not my my main drive isn't that i just want to be able to secure this system or this application it's really how can i make it better how can i improve the way it operates find ways that somebody could miss interpret, misuse some functionality and make it better, improve it, increase the quality so that it operates in the confidentiality of the data, the integrity, and the availability stays true, and that we have that assurance level that we can um, deliver and we can rely on the information within there. So I've I've had the opportunity also to interview tons of people, hire tons of people. So if you're interested in what my first three things I do, if I have a a candidate that I'm interested in, and I think this this is key and important, is you need to be a team player in all of your roles but your personal brand within the security community will continue to drive and open doors and opportunities. It really is a tightly knit community where once you're in, you want to establish connections, don't burn bridges, but also look at yourself and how do you portray yourself? What value can you bring to other areas? So if I go and I have a candidate that I'm going to interview, the first three things that I will do is I'll do a Google search for them. I'll search, I'll just type in their name, first name, last name, security and I'll see what comes up. Sometimes there's not a lot and that's not a big deal. Sometimes there's presentations they've done. I'll, I'll definitely put in the time, I'll watch the presentation, see what's their view on different things, where are they at, what are they, how have they influenced and what are they kind of portraying to the world because as I bring you on my team, I want to share kind of that same, I mean, we're working as a team to accomplish the same goals. What are, what are your interests doing there? The other thing that I do is on Twitter is I'll see if I can find their Twitter handle and I'm always interested in who they're following because you don't always think about people looking at who do you follow on Twitter but that tells me immediately where do you get your security news what are your interests what um what news I mean I can you can almost put a perfect profile around some people that use Twitter based on what they're following what they're interested in because that's where you get your news what you drive it from so that tells me a lot and then a quick Quick look at Facebook for your lifestyle portrayal. How do you portray yourself to the world? And then for LinkedIn, I'm just always interested. Do you have any similar connections that I have? Some mutual friend. I may not ask directly for references. I'm more so going to try to find references myself. See what connections we have, what interests, and do so. If I if I was given a recommendation, those are the three areas that I would I would take this take away. Go out. Go back to. Um, outside of this class and kind of do that to yourself and do that due diligence what do you look like to the world and that's that's important as you consider careers the other thing is always earn your opportunities you're going to you may be in a situation where you have two or three job op- opportunities i i that every one of you will be fully qualified. You'll have job offers. You apply. So that's not always going to be the challenge. The challenge is that you need to go into every one of those offers with your best foot forward. Don't think that it's you're going to get this job no matter what. Go in. Have have an expert review resume. I mean, that, that goes a long way just to have somebody, even if it's a recruiter, if it's somebody at the college, to do just somebody outside of you to look at it and see, how does this look? How does this feel? Especially if you can find somebody from a human resources department that's used to seeing them. Does it make you set you apart in in any way. And then um, the other part that I like for interviews is learn some key I mean they always tell you learn key things about the company and that's important know how many employees what the business does understand their mission but the other thing that I always will recommend and I'll recommend this whether you're trying to get a job or whether you're in the job is always read the earnings reports you can learn so much from that even if you're not interested in business you there are still nuggets where it's going to tell you what direction is the company heading what does the CEO ma- ma- what what does the CEO care about what does the board of directors Now, if you're doing security work and you're trying to move forward a a project and you're saying, well, no, you can't do this, I'm not going to put the time, you've read that earnings report and you know that this is important to the company, this is important to the shareholders, it's going to impact the success, it's going to impact your pay, this is a big deal, I know that. And so you can take that from a standpoint of just prioritizing your work, knowing where you can make a difference and see that in corporate value, even in the largest companies like Eli Lilly. You can read that, a press report in Fortune magazine or wherever, and know that your name might not be in there, but you know you had a part in it. And that's exciting. And those are, those are a lot of opportunities that you can do there and definitely my recommendations for. And then always be humble. You can always learn something from everyone else. So don't come in with an ego. Um, security, sometimes you get... The, um, people will get the persona that they know it all or I don't want to deal with this person because they're just going to tell me how bad my stuff is. Partner up and teach people and take this opportunity anytime you tell somebody, be, teach it teach it to them and um, be a mentor to others. So I definitely recommend that and that will get you a long way as well, just building relationships and, and when people talk highly of you and I, I've always gotten the advice too of of if you win over somebody's team, you'll win over the manager. And I truly believe that. I've seen it happen over and over. So if you want to win over the manager, don't schedule meetings with the manager. Schedule meetings with the team, win them over, work together well. That information will get up and you'll be successful. The other area is never compromise your values, your family, or your health for your career. There's always going to be stress. There's always going to be times where you have to work a lot. That's that's just a part of the job. That's but there's that long durations. The if you're deciding between jobs or you have to travel all the time and it's putting your family life at at risk or you're not seeing your kids. That's the that's part of trying to figure out where you want to go. If you're not happy because of your personal life, your family life, your values are getting disrupted from your job. It's time to look for something else, make a change, figure out what's going on. And one of the best things that I've done is you hear so much about, well, where do you want to go in your career? What's your career map look like? So I, I actually put a picture of my own career map up here. This is what I kind of portray from the professional side, from the business side on next opportunities. But what I do from a personal side is I have the same career map, but I have it on what's important to me outside of my job. So that way, if I ever have the promotion that comes up, an opportunity that I'm going to have to travel a lot, is it more money, and I weigh that against my personal career map, is it gonna take time away from family? Am I gonna be home at five o'clock every day to eat dinner with my kids? And those types of things are more important, I believe, than the next hop in your career, the more money you do. So if you start weighing those side by side, it makes it provides so much more clarity around where you want to go, where you want to head, and um, so I absolutely that's been really life-changing to me in just terms of trying to figure out what's really important and prioritize. And then I know we just talked about prioritization around personal but the other area is prioritize your work as well. If you ever don't have a full plate there's probably a problem. You should pretty much, at least within a security, any type of field, you're always, always going to be working off a full plate of work. So don't let that stress you out. What's important is that you need to understand what's the highest priority off of that plate of work. Know that you have a set amount of time that you can put in a week to this. Let's figure out what's going to drive the success. What's busy work? What's unnecessary? And a big part of that sometimes is just saying no, saying that you can't take on and not no, I'm not going to help you, don't talk to me, but no, maybe you should work with so and so, or no, let's let's I need to speak with my manager because I don't have enough bandwidth, let's reprioritize. But always say by saying no, you still need to do that handoff, whether that's to some other area because it's not your job responsibility, whether it's just to somebody else to their boss to talk about reprioritizing, but the, the goal of all this is just to try to avoid stress. And another thing is, don't be an overachiever because, or a top performer because you work more hours. Don't be working 80 hours to, and doing double the work and saying that you're delivering double the work, where really you're just working way, way more than you need to be or should be, and it's not sustainable. You're going to burn out, and you're going to end up not loving potentially a job that you're doing that you would be loving if you had, if you weren't so overwhelmed and stressed. So always always prioritize your work and work with your boss your manager any leaders any mentors to work on prioritizing if you're not sure and that that really helps and then with security there's a lot of decisions to be made when you start talking about risk and the Try not to feel that you are taking on the risk personally, but what you're doing is you're using your expertise to drive the best decision that the company can make. And you are advising, and that's part of my role as a security architect and advisor. What I do is I try not to make anything personal but what I do is I try to make every decision based on logic, on, on potential risk, on potential threats. If you do this, here's what could potentially happen. Convey that information accurately and work every single decision off of consistency. So if your company has controls, standards, policies, that's a really easy one because then it's kind of black or white. Is this or is this not? But there's a lot of gray areas with security where it's just it's more risk-based where, yeah, if you do this, it's not the best thing, but it might be okay if you do if i stop you from doing this the company is going to lose 10 millions 10 million dollars in revenue but if you do this and you get compromised you might lose 100 million and those are the types of conversations as you get better and better at your job i mean that's those are the risk management positions if you're interested in metrics big data and mathematics you would be tremendous in a lot of those risk management roles as well so don't think that i need to be a data scientist necessarily all the time but get in those roles and use those skills and you will be you will supersede a lot of your peers very quickly because you're using using. and those skills that you have that a lot of times people haven't thought of that you could get in a role and be extremely successful in those. And then across security, ethics and integrity are absolutely key. And that should be the basis around, I think, every single of these principles I talk about, ethics and integrity all along the way. And there's a lot of grayers that you can find yourself in within security very quickly. And as long as you resonate that, you will always be supported. Nobody can. deny that you um, a, a decision you made if you base it on ethics and integrity. And if they do and you're in trouble for it, that's you did the right thing 100% of the time. You need to stand behind that and find somewhere else or escalate if that's the case. The other part is understand what motivates people. A lot of people like to get into ethical hacking or you've heard of social engineering where you try to trick people into being a different persona or getting people to do and that's a common attack vector that we have within companies where people call on the phone I'm I'm the CEO CEO I'm the chief financial officer you need to transfer funds here and taking those techniques and those thought processes that you like for social engineering, well, use that to your advantage within the enterprise as well. Think about what are people motivated by? What what do people care about? How, is this person just like you to be straightforward with them? Do you, do you need to be more passive with them? What, what makes them upset? What makes, what do they enjoy? How can you meet them where they're at? So that way you can influence them because security is not always going to be the thing that people want to do. But if you can teach them the why and why they're doing it, why it's important, and then partner with them to help them, that goes a long way. And I've also, I've seen this quite a few times and it was some good advice too, was whether you're going into a a meeting with a director or leadership or the c your chief information security officer or the board of directors and you have others in the room focus on the leader in the room because you're taking their it's really their time if they're interested make that the most valuable focus eye contact on them don't focus to appear the entire time talk to them but make sure that attention read the body language know what are they interested in if they if they don't seem interested move forward but try to hit those main key points and i found that to be really helpful as well and then always have a 30 second elevator pitch ready. You never know when you're going to be asked about, well, Ryan, how's it how's it going? Or what are the biggest risks to our company? Or or what, what can I do to help you improve? Or what obstacles, what boundaries do you have? Always have that ready. And it's not always going to be the same. It's going to change over time. You might be working on a project where you know you need some more resources and be ready because those opportunities do present themselves. It's just a matter of you being ready to execute on that. It could be you're in the elevator, it could be you're walking in from your car or at lunch, but that's um, absolute advice. And then it always keeps you, it helps with priority too, because part of your 30 second elevator pitch should be your priorities that you're working on, the challenges, what you need or where you want to be in your future. And so that's um, something that just absolutely always think about and consider. And then never stop investing in yourself. And that's why I like security as well, is because I'm competitive in nature. I like puzzles. And after twelve years, I've never found the cap to it. There's there's nothing that I can't stop learning. I need to go home every day and research. There's more I can learn about how things work. I can improve and technology changes, the industry changes, the way you do work changes. I've I've seen methodologies change now across my career where waterfall was used all the time now i see the devops the agile methodology and how do you integrate what used to work just two years ago even may not work at all today how have i adapted how have i learned what have i done to learn agile processes where i didn't necessarily learn as much about that in school but now that it's used i better put in the time it's not security related but if i can understand how the teams that i'm working with are operating what's important how i can better meet those timelines that's that's so beneficial and always respect people um just build partnerships and try to motivate other people as well and i think how you portray yourself it's your personal brand but that carries over to a lot of other people and is very impactful so that investment that you put towards yourself it's not all about you it's about filling yourself with so much more knowledge information that you're excited to share and you want to share with others and that just organically will happen and you'll make the team around you better And then I also will say that surround yourself with people that challenge you. Don't pick the easy role where you can just be the best on the team. Find a team that you know you're going to work with or aim for a team that you're going to work with or find people that you can just align with or get mentored by that are going to push you and make you better because the better people around you, the better that will make you day to day. And this is just a recap. I'm not actually going to recap those, but I thought if I, if you take this presentation out or anything, it's kind of a, a recap slide that has it all there. So that's kind of the end of my principles. Now, what I want to talk about a little bit is the future of the industry, of where I see everything headed, how I see security shift. And this is a little bit of my day-to-day challenge that I see as well. So what I did up here is, I as I put together, I initially just had a bulleted list of six things that I see that I would say, focus on, understand, and, apply to your future careers your jobs or your current jobs and that's really it's really the agile the devops approach but what this is doing is taking your standard even just three years ago two years ago you would get a software package you would download from the internet you would go out and you would go through a change control request you would say i want to make this change it would get reviewed approved and then you would log in with your account to the server and you would install this software that no longer is happening, it, but it is still happening. That's the challenge that I face is it's happening, but at the same time, there's teams that are more innovative, are more emerging, that are moving forward into what this um, kind of this deployment pipeline approach is. And that's where we're dealing no longer now with software packages and physical servers, but we're dealing with containers that can move across cloud environments, that can be deployed everywhere, that has everything packaged all in once. So now you need a Java library. You need um, whatever it is, let's put it in the container and then let's deploy that as infrastructure as code now. So you're actually writing scripting, a JSON file, XML, whatever it is, you're going to write everything you need. It could be your network now. So you have developers in today's state that are now in the future going to be writing firewall rules. They're going to be writing access control policies that typically you would go to a centralized team to get or you go to the network team. Now that these developers are writing these things, How do we secure that? How do we look at that? And what they want to do is not only do they want to write it, but they want to deploy it, and they want to deploy it immediately. So they will write it. They will check it into GitHub or their code repository. It will go through this pipeline. It will get whatever automation they put around it, and then it will get deployed to production. How does security fit in there? And have we missed the ball? Well, I don't think we've missed the ball at all but it's important that security has to now work how the future DevOps teams, the future programmers, the future business, and this, I won't even say programs, but infrastructure teams are going to be working because as we start talking infrastructure to code, now your, your servers are a line of code that you'll deploy, maybe deploy to Amazon, maybe it will deploy it to Amazon, maybe you'll it will deploy to Google Cloud or Azure, or maybe you have some big data analysis that you have a server, your pipeline will actually figure out where's it most cost effective and where will it go. Now, as a security team, Let's say I have all my security checks within this deployment pipeline. So you have an application now. I'm doing static source code analysis. I'm checking it for bugs. I'm doing dynamic scanning. I'm looking at software composition. I'll see what packages you pulled in as a developer. Are these at the highest levels? Are there vulnerabilities with this? If there are, let's block it. Let's tell the developer, let's have it fix it. But once they get through here, they've now, they can deploy this code to the cloud. This is just one tiny aspect of this. Now I have to, as well as focusing and putting new technologies and new capabilities into securing all this containers, this infrastructure, this pipeline, I still have to secure the cloud over here. So now, how do you secure the cloud outside of this? So now you have teams that are now focusing on Google, Amazon, the services, the configurations, and coming up later this year they'll have their conferences where they'll probably release another 150 services that there's going to be teams wanting to say, Ryan, how are we going to use this? Well, how do you do this? And it's it's through guardrails, controls, and automation. And I think the more you can focus on automation, which I like to talk about as governance, as code, which is a huge shift meant from a mentality standpoint of, of how you do, actually do security checks and apply standards and apply controls. So if you can go into a, a security team and say that, I have a programmer background, I have an interest in um, controls or risk management, I can actually come in and I can automate these checks for you, I I can save what you have eight people doing, not that I can automate this and them lose their jobs, but I can automate this so that these eight people can now figure out how do we secure these services, what new controls do we have to, and it's working smarter, not harder and by just there's so many areas of coverage and so much opportunity here that i'm excited for all of you in this room to be able to jump in and see this transformation and then the other part is that this isn't just everything stops and goes to this approach. So now we still have to have a security program, a security team that can still address all of the legacy approach to installing software, all of the hardware that's not in the cloud, that's on-premise, and it just expands the parity of controls, the amount of work that the team has to do. So the more that you can come in and automate and say, I can help the business scale and move and be in an agile manner, the more that you can be successful and the more that you're in demand, and those are considered unicorns in the industry where there's not very many people that can do that, But I think with the training that you're getting at the Purdue programs within your courses, think about how you can apply that and apply what you're doing and what you're doing and how you can apply that to these various areas of security that you have an interest in getting into. And I think that's a good story to tell that will set you apart from peers, other people, other candidates, and even once once you're on the team of how you can really accelerate and be successful in your career. And that will open up doors and opportunities. The, this is really tiny, so I don't know if the slides will be shared or distributed, but I put a lot of my go-to resources that I always recommend anybody saying, how do I start or where do I go for just information? Where do I read? What do I do? So I, I put together some of my favorite security news, awareness, blogs that I will go to on a daily basis, some of the standards that I try to build, my baseline, my logic, my justification for around. And then since I'm heavy focused on application security and cloud security, I put my favorite resources in there so that you can go out and learn. So if you are a developer or have any of that interest, you can start learning what controls that you should start adding to your development efforts and and really secure and lock that down. So I'm hoping that that first slide of the roads all over the place now show somewhat of a clear path on where you can go, where you can take your next steps. And as you graduate and look for opportunities, I hope that you can take some of this and at least apply that. So thank you very much. Any questions? All right.
0: If no questions, I guess you
1: could Yes, we have one from the back. <laughs> so, can you talk a little bit about how the cloud has changed application development and, and what differences from a security perspective that has, um, that has brought into the equation? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big th- shift the question was how does the cloud change things and what's it doing and i think a big part too is to understand that the cloud has changed even tremendously in the past six months so that's that's a big part is how can you scale the amount of change within the cloud and that's a that's a big question that i think fundamentally that companies have to figure out an answer is because do you start now And embedding your security which you would typically generally hire an access management team or the network security team do you start putting them into the developer teams now embedding them there those experts that are going to be thinking in terms of segmentation firewall roles but somebody that has at least some type of DevOps background that can apply it to code and do do you embed them there or do you build out your security core team that can have that oversight those checks I think the answer is primarily trying to build up your infrastructure teams embedding security all throughout the business areas the the teams that are doing application deployments and I think too when you start thinking about agile methodologies you really, it's not that you you hire somebody and you assign them to this project and they work on it forever. I think it's you're now working out of an agile pool of security resources that may have expertise in Amazon. They may have expertise in access management and then you pull their time and if you're doing agile development properly, they're going to be committed potentially 20% of their time to this project for two weeks. Let's use their expertise. Let's bounce them around so that way you can have multiple business areas all running very quickly very fast getting the resources without having to wait four to six months to hire in the headcount to support that or from the central security team saying well no you can't move forward as a business because we can't we can't support and do this now actually saying that and doing it is a very different thing as well and that's and a big part too is pulling in anybody that has the ability to do this and making sure that they're being a mentor to others teaching them not working in a silo and that's where i get asked a lot too well ryan should we just pay consultants to do this or outsource it that's the challenge that i had because we could and we could potentially deliver on this project but we're going to have to do this 100% of the time because nobody in-house within our teams that are working day to day, they might be doing all this remotely handed and over saying, does this look good? I would rather embed at least a couple experts within these teams that they can work day to day, sit beside, be in those conversations because that's where you really learn. That's where you build your skills. And that might be a full-time hire, might be a consultant that are sitting on those teams. But either way, that should be part of those contracts on Training your current employees to really shift that mindset. Not everybody has to change. There's still a job working in a lot of the legacy approaches and doing, and there's work that needs to be done. So it's not that everybody in your IT, IT program or your security group have to change. But if somebody has that interest, let's get them the education, the resources, the training so that they can make that shift in a, in an expedited manner. Good question. Yes.
0: you slide on uh, the future of the industry.
1: Yeah. yeah. Much emphasis on like, automation yes do you see AI as being part of that? I do I I think there's I would say there's a long way to go but I think there's just a lot of opportunity there on applying and I think too a lot of people you would even ask is there AI and automation? I think depending on your level of understanding of AI, a lot of people think they have AI when really it's just good decision trees and good decision making. But um, absolutely from an access management standpoint, from a firewall standpoint, if we have developers, I would love it that they set up a policy. It goes and says, this. This system has access to this many IP addresses. And that's not even AI at this point. This is just saying the risk is low. It can only talk three places. Most likely, they did what they're supposed to. But then you apply the AI over top of that, and over time, you can see trends on well, have there been any connection denies, or is this role really blocking something that's working? And does this look, but does this look anomalous, or is it something we should enable? And then can we get to the point where we trust these decision patterns on top to make those changes for us, so that way we either we could manually do it, but why? If we're working towards AI, artificial intelligence, let's trust it. And what level do you trust AI? I think is the question. And it'll be interesting to see. Yes. Um, You talked about how uh, security is moving to using cloud platforms as a lot of their uh, infrastructure deployment and like software uh, being part of that infrastructure. Mm -hmm. What technologies do you see? Because I know there's, there's Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot of different use cases. So there's also approaches where if you're talking, you want to deploy to Amazon, you can get a lot of quick value, immediately value. And what they push you towards is kind of the native services. They're building, if you're a large enough cloud platform, a lot of times you're going to have services that you can enable over top of it. So then the question comes, do we use these native cloud resources that kind of constrain you, though, where now if you want to shift from Azure to Google, or do you do um, something that's separated out, like a Terraform or something like that, where you can inject in? I think that's. I think a lot of it depends on the maturity of it. I know at Lilly we're doing a lot of cloud native, but that's also our strategy is um, from looking more heavily if we're doing infrastructure as service where you have a lot more controls, a lot more layers to secure. That's where we're kind of focused on, on there so we can use a lot of their native services because we get that advantage. But there's also, um, you have, I think there's gonna be a convergence of, you'll have container security, there's cloud workload protection, CWP, There is um, software composition analysis. So software composition analysis looks at software, what third-party libraries, what's code that is running that you didn't develop, you pulled in from something else. You have container security, which is looking at kind of the software composition in the container as well, but what's it doing, how's it operating, what connections. And then you have what's called cloud workload protection, and that's looking at the configuration of your cloud. There's a lot of companies now that are getting into it. A lot of them are emerging, but they're all three very separate. I think you're going to see at least a convergence between composition analysis, container security, and then being able to bounce around. And I think whoever can demonstrate that they can do this effectively will be one of the market leaders pretty quickly. But I I think there will be convergence for that multi-cloud strategy. All right, well, thank you again. Yeah, and don't hesitate anytime to reach out. Um, I'll make sure that you have my contact information. And anytime, though, if there's any questions or anything, feel free. Okay. Thank you. Very much. Thank you.